that was the reality of the of the transactions that were happening. There was a lot of feedback from the user level, basically complaints saying, hey, when we are doing X, Y, and Z, those transactions are super slow and it's bogging down the rest of the process. So I don't recall that we've really talked about that, but I think it's a point well taken and, and, and things that people should be considering when when they are considering a, a cloud solution versus an on-prem solution. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. The add-ons come in various shapes and sizes. Some of them were so well done and tightly embedded with some of the most popular packages that they became gold standards. The process industry is particularly unique with each micro-vertical having its nuanced needs. And there aren't a ton of solutions out there that are particularly suited for process industries, especially with the native experience and robust functionality like Batch Master. In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Batch Master ERP capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their corporate strategy and how they evolved as a solution and where they are really strong. We also covered unique capabilities such as super jobs, safety capabilities, and the NPD and PLM capabilities that might typically reside in a PLM system. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our industry every Tuesday at 5.30 Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. And today we have one of the gold standard, uh, especially when it comes to add-ons. Um, so we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. It's called Batch Master. But before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you still don't know me, Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I will move to Dave for his intro. Thanks, Sam. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own a operations consulting business working with leaders in the manufacturing and distribution spaces, uh, helping them to optimize their processes and uh, come to you with more than 20 years of uh, experience in various operational leadership roles, uh, which also included several ERP implementations. So excited to be here with you, Sam. Thanks. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Thank you, Sam. Thank you for inviting me, like always. Uh, my name is Andy Pratico. I've been involved with ERP software all my life. 
Um, I've, uh, I'm in Br British Columbia, Canada, but I lived in the U.S. for about 11 years, and I've worked all over the United States, all over Canada. Worked with over a thousand manufacturers in my career, and uh, uh, I, uh, I've also authored a book on how to select the software. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Andy. And uh, last time, Andy had uh, promised to do a little uh, comedic uh, segments in between. So I don't know if he has his deck ready, but I mean, we'll um, do a little bit of um, <laughs> jokes here and there. <laughs> The stand-up comedy show oh, of yeah. um, the very well-known host, uh, Andy. The best comedian I know, I guess. Um, the best uh, ERP comedian. ERP comedian. Barbie, the best <laughs> ERP slash manufacturing comedian. That's, that's, really, that's really niching down. It Andy. is. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. That's a specialty. Man, nobody can beat you, Andy, there. I'm uh, telling you. <laughs> that specific, I'm pretty darn good. But the problem is, is the audience is only three or four people. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. The only thing, Andy, you need to do is give me a little uh, brochure here of how to read those jokes and understand those jokes, you know? <laughs> I need the user manual just like ERP. Uh, <laughs> so that I can follow along. It is hard, man, to understand these ERP systems. I don't know how people do it. Yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> I have to describe my humor, that's for sure. <laughs> Awesome, guys. Um, so if you are in the audience and joining for the first time, uh, make sure you guys post your questions and comments. We typically try to cover them during the show. If we run out of time, we'll make sure that your answers. On that note, I am going to quickly brief on this particular solution. And uh, Dave, Andy, Andy, obviously, you have come across them a lot of times. Uh, they are very, very, very well known in general. Okay, and uh, Obviously, in the yeah, exactly. In the and, and they don't really go outside of their targets. Good for them. They don't go where? Sorry, Andy. Outside of their targets. Exactly, exactly. Uh, they are really cheap in the uh, process space, and uh, I know we have reviewed a lot of different solutions from the process manufacturing perspective, and we now know, uh, you know, when we reviewed a lot of solutions from Aptine, they all had their bits and pieces and how they sort of fit in every single micro industry inside process verticals. In general, uh, when you look at the micro verticals inside process industries, they could be very nuanced the way they, they work. Even inside one industry, for example, let's say if you uh, talk about food and beverage uh, or cannabis, even in that, depending upon the business model, the solution could vary a lot. By the way, cannabis, I, I think you are going to have some commentary there as well. Dave, these guys do a lot of work in the cannabis space as well. So we are going to find some very unique layers that they, they approach their development. They have some very, very, very deep capabilities, but they are not going to have some capabilities that we saw in the other systems. And the reason for that is because these guys have taken slightly more productized approach in general. So you are going to find a lot of similarity uh, in different verticals they had developed, even though they had very specific functionality. So you might not get everything that you might get, let's say, in the case of Aptine Solutions, but you are going to get superior development, but more from the add-on perspective, because you're still dealing with two different vendors here. <laughs> And we always talk about that add-ons may not be as good in general. But in this particular case, this might be an exception just because the team is um, so very focused. Uh, strong, focused, knowledgeable 
the way their site is structured, the way their documentation is. I mean, you know, they are almost close to being an OEM, uh, the way they have documented. In fact, I mean, some of the OEMs they are developing on top of, to be honest, I mean, they are not going to describe these capabilities in these details with this specificity. So that's where the, uh, you know, praise is, to be honest, uh, of this particular vendor. And we are going to uh, look at all of those things. What I personally like to see in a solution as well as in a vendor. Um, so hopefully you can uh, check those things for the other vendors. Any other comments, guys? Uh, Dave, Andy, before I uh, press some more. Go right ahead. Okay. So these guys were very, 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 very well known in general in the SAP Business One space. Um, I think that was their bread and butter for the most part. Uh, even though they had this solution on top of your QuickBooks, I I don't yeah. know if it is. Great planes. They, they, they were in a lot of different accounting systems in the early days. Uh, for the most part, they targeted all the horizontal ERP systems, the ERP systems that were slightly bigger in size. So their focus was mainly those single entity sort of ERP systems. So that's why they targeted. And if you look at the, the sort of trend, right? So they targeted SAP Business One, Microsoft GP, which is a very comparable solution in general. Okay, from the design perspective, from architecture, uh, the target market that it has uh, in different industries, obviously, uh, depending upon the capabilities. But overall, the approach is very similar. Also. Now, in the Sage world, I may have misspoken. I don't know if they sat on top of Sage 50. I think they targeted Sage 300. Solution. And the reason why they targeted Sage 300, because Sage 50 is almost like, uh, okay, and QuickBooks is not going to have all of those layers and financial controls to really get the financial insights that something like Batchmaster is going to offer. So underneath this, you need at least Sage 100 solution, which is going to have those layers of the GL accounts, the inventory layers, okay? That is not possible in a smaller solution such as QuickBooks, right? So that's, I don't know whether they sold, maybe they sold just because people were probably buying and <laughs> I don't know what was their strategy and we'll see. But my recollection is that they had Sage 300 and CS300, in my mind, would be comparable to your SAP Business One, GP. Microsoft GP. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Sage, SAP, and Microsoft, these are like the leading, the leading uh, horizontal vendor. If you talk about the horizontal ERP, so the only one that they didn't have was really Oracle, because during those days, probably Oracle didn't have the mid-market solution. And no, they, <laughs> you're right. That tweet came along well after. Yeah. And uh, then these guys ended up in the Acumatica ecosystem as well. And Acumatica, although Acumatica has slightly deeper, I would say, the industry-specific functionality, but their strategy is, is still very similar to your SAP Business One, to your Microsoft GP. So that's why it was a natural fit, even though they didn't, I don't think they are called Batchmaster in the Acumatica world. They are called uh, if my recollection is right, I think eWorkplace apps. So they have sort of... What is it called? I think eWorkplace apps. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think uh, they had rebranded, restructured their team. So it's a completely different team. So one of the strategies that these guys have overall from the development standpoint, from the product architecture standpoint, is they like to develop native solution as part of the core solution. Now, there are always going to be layers and pros and cons of each of the approaches. So 
I'll touch on those. And uh, when I say native, meaning typically, if you look at the add-on, there could be two or three different types of add-ons. One add-on could be, let's say, if a company is targeting multiple ERP system. So what they are going to do is they are going to have the external integration, meaning they are going to have an UI. The UI is not going to be natively developed as part of the solution. So it might feel slightly different from the solution. Okay, even though, you know, functionally, you are probably going to get similar capabilities, but that interaction may feel a little strange. So that's why that native experience is very important. Okay, so some companies, what they do is, especially if they are targeting multiple ERP systems, they are going to have just one product, one UI, and then either they are going to sort of force fit uh, inside the ERP system itself. Um, So that might come across almost like watching a TV (laughs) inside your ERP system. To be honest, it it feels really weird, (laughs) you know? So that's one approach. A lot of vendors do that. The second could be that they have their own sort of web UI, but the experience is going to be very different because the development architecture and the design is going to be very different. In this case, they spent in every single ecosystem, they were really strategic in the kind of you know products they wanted to target. So they really knew what they were doing and they had very native experience overall from the product perspective. Now, the pros or and the cons uh, in this particular case need to be that they have to split their R&D dollars for all of the product categories, meaning they are mentioning different code base for each of the ecosystems separately. Even though from the customer standpoint, that's great, but let's say in one of the ecosystem they are not doing well, then obviously they are not going to be investing as much in the R&D as well as support. So there are always going to be pros and cons of each of the approaches that these vendors are going to do. The second thing that you are going to experience is when you have the native experience, it's very, very, very hard to know who has developed the add-ons. Now, even with the native experience, there could be several different arrangements that these companies may have. Number one could be that could be completely transparent from the customers and depending upon who's selling the license. So in this particular case, let's say if Batchmaster ends up selling SAP Business One license, you will never know that this is the add-on developed by Batchmaster, okay, if they don't tell you. Okay, sometimes you are going to get contract only from Batchmaster. You might not even have a contract from uh, SAP. So it's it's very, very, very hard to distinguish uh, in terms of what you are buying. So that is something that you need to pay attention. So typically, this is what is called the white label arrangement in the ERP world. Then you are going to have cases where you have clear distinction where the vendor is not really doing the white labeling, meaning you are signing two different contracts, one for the add-on and one for the core solution. So in that case, you are probably going to know. So depending upon the structure, depending upon the arrangement, again, the support agreement may vary. Uh, Sometimes when you are signing two contracts, you might have two different support agreements. So again, there are always going to be layers when you are dealing with add-ons. But in general, when you are dealing with as credible vendor as Batchmaster, you might not have as many shoes. But add-ons are always tricky in general when you work. Any 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 follow-up commentary? Any any build-up there by any chance? No, um, that's uh, you're perfect. Okay. Um, if you don't have a, any any questions that or any points that we typically cover during the briefing that we could not cover, um, if not, then I'll start on the. Okay. This is one point that uh, Dave, you always like to cover. Always like me to cover, right? And that is going to be more from the technology architecture perspective. You know how they have developed this, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's always interesting to learn if uh, if if you have the the backstory just to to kind of understand how it's come to be and some of the infrastructure that's uh, supporting uh, what we're looking at. 
exactly and i think now i remember a very important point that i really wanted to cover to be honest okay so they were known for the on prem world in general okay the majority of the solutions that they had were really designed for on prem okay in general when you are going to be migrating from on prem to cloud that's a heavy lift for any vendor out there the r&d spend that you had in the on prem world it might be 10x of what you would be needing in the cloud world so they cannot create the same solution for the cloud world uh, you know with the similar depth so that's a challenge so right now i mean in the cloud world the only solution that you are going to find is probably going to be akimatica they might not even build the solution for sap business one cloud okay just because of the cost the r&d structure the way cloud works the amount of controls that you are going to get the design that they had okay that would probably work only in the on prem the same design philosophy is going to be far harder uh, for the other cloud solution so their approach was was very interesting especially from the infrastructure perspective and the reason why it would be trickier in the cloud world is because the way they did this is their add on was very thick on top of the core on prem code so what they had to do is they are going to deploy as part of the same infrastructure now in the on prem world in general you had a lot more control on the servers on the databases uh, you know because that was in your backyard so you could do whatever you want uh, okay. <laughs> right but with cloud you are not going to have the same control in general okay because they are trying to deploy a lot of different you know it's a very shared environment okay so a lot of um, deployments are going to be on one machine and they are allocating a specific bandwidth to you so now if you are going to run a very thick code on top of your core code then the performance is going to suffer in general okay so again it's not one to one when you compare the on prem capabilities to cloud from every perspective whether you talk about the code maturity or whether you talk about the infrastructure um capability so i would still treat them as very on prem player unless you are talking about their akimatica code uh, right now dave uh, any any comment there any builder no i mean you bring up an interesting point though and and not specific necessarily just to this solution but in terms of you know as folks are evaluating uh cloud versus on prem you know to me you bring up a really interesting point in terms of kind of the uh the strain on resources and ultimately how that's going to equate to cost so when you're looking at potentially making modifications really through any means and you have a solution that lives in the cloud uh understanding what the impact of those decisions you know means in dollars and cents and i don't think that's something that we've really ever covered uh in any of the shows that i recall but um i i think that's kind of a really interesting consideration uh you know that you bring up so i i really i like that point of view yeah and honestly speaking i have seen some of the erp oems being slightly responsible to be honest in asking these questions because uh none of the oems that i know want any sort of field experience or name in the media but when you are dealing with the specific sales person depending upon how stressed he or she is in meeting their targets right <laughs> or if you are dealing with a partner they might play by different rules in general okay so that could be a factor that you need to look at but i am seeing a lot more responsibility in general with the erp oems where they 
sort of don't like to load a lot of add-ons on top of the core solution because they know that that it is going to be running on their infrastructure. So sometimes they are going to recommend, you know what, use iPaaS, external iPaaS, because the iPaaS is actually going to run on its infrastructure. So you are not sort of loading these transactions inside the core ERP. It's going to be a lot more heavy lifting than you are going to get as part of your contract. And because of that, you are going to feel, hey, this particular ERP is slow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but and that's kind of the point, right? Like I, I recall a situation with a uh, with a cloud service, uh, again, not uh, specific to an ERP, but similar in terms of structure and what we're talking about. And that's that was the reality of the of the transactions that were happening. There was a lot of feedback from the user level, basically, you know, complaints saying, hey, when we are doing X, Y and Z, those transactions are super slow and it's bogging down the rest of the process. So, you know, I think it's again, I I don't. I don't recall that we've really talked about that, but I think it's a point well taken and, and, and things that people should be considering when when they are considering a, co- a cloud solution versus an on-prem solution. There, there's real consideration depending on what the process load is going to be, the number of, tra- I mean, it, it's very dependent on, on several factors, but uh, I think I think it is a good, uh, good point. To- exactly. In fact, I mean, I'm probably going to have a story where I had tough time, to be honest, to convince a customer, and hopefully that's going to be a learning for a lot of people because when people think of, hey, I'm buying uh, NetSuite and for Epic or whatever, they are always thinking in very binary terms, okay, that I am buying this particular ERP. But in general, when you buy an ERP, these ERP systems are supposed to be collection of apps. They have a lot of databases that are bundled together. They are making it easy for you to digest. That's why they are calling ERP Cloud Suite or whatever. <laughs> okay. But you need to understand that this is the collection of apps. There are a lot of different applications, databases, paths integrated together to make an easy migration for you. So when I was talking to this customer, customer is like, okay, I'm buying probably NetSuite Acumatica. I'm not trying to name any. I'm whole integration code that I have. I want to shove everything together inside this ERP system. I am not looking for the external contract. I'm not willing to spend on my iPaaS. And typically, uh, you know, we always have this recommendation that, okay, you know what, keep the separation of concern is the concept uh, in the sort of the enterprise architecture in software engineering, that you should keep the concerns separate, meaning ERP should be separate. If you have a need for load throttling in your architecture, then that should be a separate sort of area so that you have a little control, especially in the cloud world, you don't have that control because the database is completely logged. The vendor is controlling that. Okay, you have the allocated capacity and they are assuming that you are only going to be doing this much heavy lifting. But let's say if you are going to increase the load by 2x, (laughs) then obviously it is going to be slower. So this particular customer, he or she did not understand that, you know what, if I'm going to shove this whole integration code as well as the iPaaS inside this ERP, uh, you know, for them, it's like, these IT guys, they try to make everything so complex. <laughs> you might feel that, but at the end of the day, you are buying X capacity for the yeah. X amount of dollars that you have spent. That's how IT is supposed to work. Okay, there is no free lunch. You cannot simply shove a lot of load together and expect that it is going to run with the same performance expectations. It doesn't work that. Yeah, completely agree. 
yeah, if you are going to have any other build up there, take or start on the slide. Yeah. Um, so basically, the point I was trying to make is the number of applications and the add-ons you have that increases the overall code base and that requires additional capacity. So when you are buying from any of the cloud vendors, keep the capacity in mind in terms of what is their expectation versus what you are going to be using it for. Don't overuse. Otherwise, you are probably going to feel the performance implication. You might complain that this is vendor's fault. It is not their fault because they sold it for you, assuming a specific capacity. But, you know, you are probably shoving 10 people in the car. That's your problem. That's not <laughs> car manufacturer. Okay, so if we are okay, then I need to cover uh, some of these things in the slide. So here, I think we had already touched on these uh, these solutions. So we have SAP Business One, and I think uh, I had mentioned this point. They are on Sage Hundred and um, One Hundred as well as Three Hundred um, solution. Um, the Sage Fifty is going to be probably too small for them, and that's the reason why they probably didn't uh, build on that. They were on top of QuickBooks as well. I don't know if that was the preferred solution or if they sold a lot, but seems like they did on QuickBooks, but they did not choose to build on top of Sage 50 just because probably Sage 50 didn't have as big market share. I don't know how much market share it has right now. Obviously, it's a very comparable solution, but it's not going to be as popular as QuickBooks or Zero, at least as of today. Yeah, I think the word thing else during our briefing. So I'll move to the next one. Here they are trying to position Batchmaster software, food manufacturing enables companies. So yeah, they are trying to position themselves as the for the food manufacturing, which is really the process, right? Um, then here I have some of the comments. So tracking progress of samples, the product development process is involved for the food manufacturer. And I don't think we saw the process related to samples. In general, the sampling process could be extremely common, especially if you are looking at hatches such as beer distribution, wine distribution, um, some of the food and beverage as well. Okay, so as part of their sales process, they are going to have a little sampling process. Okay, sometimes that could be on the vendor side as well, uh, uh, because you need to try the products before you can order. So these processes could be very involved because you need to share the design. Uh, sometimes they might ask you to do a PO because obviously there's a little inventory there. Sometimes you might be able to send the wine and beer for free, but depending upon how expensive your product is, sometimes there might be cost for the R&D. So that sampling process could be very involved in general. Now, the challenge with the sampling process in general in the process space is going to be that is part of your engineering R&D. Typically, that resides in your PLM solution. In general, in the food and beverage, in the process space, you are definitely going to find the NPD process that's going to be really heavy, uh, which is your new product development as well as the PLM is very different and very complex um, because of the number of versions that you are going to have. Okay, In food space, they are always, always experimenting, launching new products, launching new recipes. Okay? That's what they are doing. And they for that, they need the whole program management, the way they are going to need this in your automotive. So it's very interesting. The whole PLM process is very, um, you know, different. So I don't know how these guys really dealt with that, to be honest, even though they are keeping the sampling process here, which is good because you can do everything in one ERP system. But I don't know how this is going to sort of coordinate with your PLM processes and how that integration is going to work because PLM is going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to have sampling and that's probably the right place. Now, the sampling processes are also 
as part of batch managers so what are you going to do? because you need to define the clear boundaries in these two and sometimes there could be a conflict so that could be a very interesting play there how these guys have sort of handled but my understanding is going to be that they try to build everything as part of erp so that companies don't need to worry about these integration they don't need to utilize the tlm tools but i don't know if the product development teams the engineering team the marketing team because marketing team is actually going to be involved of your product development process if they are going to be happy in using the batch master tool because that could be very complex in general at least for their use case um and i don't think we saw as robust sampling process as part of Aptine when we reviewed their solution, and the reason for that is because Aptine always likes to bundle the TLM uh, as part of the solution. So I don't know which approach is better, but there are always going to be pros and cons. How this solution is designed versus that, and that's why we didn't see this functionality as part of ERP in Aptine because you have the TLM solution that is going to be bundled with your ERP as a separate solution. That is going to be and see you have the collaboration workflow. So typically we allow mobile developers to work on separate recipe and packaging specs. And in my mind, that should be the process that must reside in your PLM because in PLM also you are going to have a little quality, uh, you know, workflow there <laughs> that you need to have, and then collaboration as well. So if you are doing this inside the ERP, again, that's going to be very difficult in general for the team. So again, depending upon you know what your architecture needs are. and what your teams are going to use you need to decide whether you can keep these processes uh inside your ERP or not um the employee USDA and uh, genesis uh, nutritional info information that's a very interesting integration to be honest i don't think we saw that in the case of aptine maybe they do that uh, but this integration is very similar to how apicor aclips integrated with your electrical code uh, okay so in this particular case you are integrating with the industry database and you are fetching some of the elements of your product data you need that otherwise you will be doing the manual management of this which will be very um now for all of this uh, there is a solution in the market and maybe there are a couple of solutions but the more known one is going to be specrite uh you know specrite is a very cloud based solution they are sort of trying to simplify everything from the product perspective so they are probably going to have these capabilities but i don't know whether they also cover the process or uh, or maybe it's only discrete uh, but they are doing a lot of these things as part of that solution uh, but again that is more for the enterprise workload when you are going to needing the best of breed capabilities but this particular capability is very interesting that you probably would need if you don't have that if you have to build this on top of a vanilla solution that could be a heavier lift in general from the developments uh, because your product the uh, i would say 20% of your product data is coming from here to be able to print those nutritional labels which is probably going to be a requirement for most food and beverage vertical so again this is a very key piece of function now what else do i have here um dynamically uh just um recipes to meal and um physical i think we saw this in the case of apt as well um and that is going to be that's really your recipe management i mean yeah it's a recipe or formulation yeah exactly yeah yeah you are controlling based on so many different things so many factors could change and because of that you need to change the the whole formula needs to balance i guess yeah that's what they are trying to do but i mean that should be part of core functionality of any process a solution um 
perform side-by-side -side comparison of SPACs and they are calling SPACs. They are using the term SPACs and that's why the SPAC right I mentioned. That's why it's called a SPAC right because you are really doing this at the SPAC level. A SPAC is the term that is very commonly food and beverage industries where you are really comparing the application of a, a recipe and then you are trying to figure out okay what else do you need to uh, on that that's very common in the chemical space um the workflows again this is all plm in my mind still uh, but they had built everything as part of erp which is very generate fda nutritional and ingredient labels is very interesting as well by the way they had they, I think they have taken slightly different approach uh, in the case of your cloud version, Acumatica. Uh, I don't know if they have everything built up because Acumatica has a lot of different PLM solutions. I don't know if they have a PLM for the food and beverage industries. For discrete, they have a PLM. They like to utilize PLM because if you go to industries such as your electronics, um, automotive, okay, I don't think they are going to okay without having a PLM. So they have a lot of different PLMs that are integrated, but the food and beverage and the process verticals are going to have different PLM because the PLM that you're going to have for discrete is, does not work for uh, process industries. It's a very different. Okay. By the way, one more layer that I don't think we have touched, uh, but I mean, we saw probably in the case of your app team as well, that most of the process verticals are probably going to have uh, some discrete capabilities as well. Light discrete. The reason for that is because sometimes they are going to have multiple lines on the shop floor. One is going to be a discrete line to be able to produce packaging. Okay. And sometimes there is a correlation between how you are going to be producing your packaging versus the actual product because you need to line all of the, that up. It's not that, I mean, you are going to be producing packaging separately because each package is going to have your nutritional level. So the, the, the whole scheduling is very challenging in general the way it works in this particular space because these two lines need to work in congruence that's what uh, makes it really tricky but i mean just because you are seeing the discrete functionality here that does not mean that these solutions are going to be appropriate for discrete spaces so you need to pay attention there now we have some commentary here interesting some of the things that i found personally interesting that i don't think we saw in Aptine. And in general, Aptine is a very operationally strong product. And again, we are comparing slightly more comparable solution. Obviously, there are going to be other process solutions such as Sage X3 is probably going to be very comparable here as well uh, with this. But in general, Sage X3 is slightly larger solution. So it's going to have a lot more functionality. Um, then obviously, you have JD Edwards, which did really well in the process space as well. I don't know which other solution am I missing that is that is really strong in the food and beverages. I would think Microsoft solution, Business Central is very strong. Uh, Cispro does really well in food and beverage as well. Um, Business Central is as long as you bought, you're purchasing the right ISV to go along with it. Um, the one that we did earlier last year, I think, was Decom. Decom, exactly, exactly. You're right. But Decom in general, Decom is not going to be as strong as your at least from the accounting perspective. No, it's um, not. <laughs> uh, like Batchmaster. GCOM is a great solution from the technology perspective. Uh, operationally, it is great. Uh, you know, it has a lot of bells and whistles for the lot number traceability, but the foundation is really weak. Uh, if you look at the core supply chain processing, the way their data model is designed for the multi-entity accounting, that's really weak. Um, so for this, I would say the comparable in my mind is still going to be Cispro 
Aptine, um, Ross. Cisco handled, I don't know if Aptine would it be a third-party add-on with Cisco. They don't have formulation like that. Uh, Cispro does have formulation natively built anti. As Is that right? And it goes, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, they have decent market share. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they targeted um, food and beverage a lot more. In fact, I mean, see, we are hearing different stories uh, from the customers, uh, to be honest, in the Cisco market. Some customers felt, and I don't know how true that is. My understanding was that uh, Cispro was always very strong in distribution, light manufacturing. That was my understanding. Uh, but it, was some, all, yeah, it originated as a different product. That would be my understanding. But recent uh, interviews that we have done with oh. our customers, they felt that Cispro was stronger in manufacturing. And not as great in distribution, which is just I don't know why. Sometimes it uh, data really? that doesn't sound right. That that's not. No, it doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I mean, you know, it's very possible they've evolved in the process uh, industries because it's more of a. It's regarding manufacturing. It's more of a make the stock long run repetitive type of a. But, exactly. Uh, that would be my understanding as well. Uh, yeah. You are, yeah, uh, you commoditized, uh, you know, yeah, products. Come on, thank you. That's a good way to describe it. Commoditized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, Macola had very similar data model as well for the commoditized. They did really well in the um, here. Um, so we are looking at the tiered labor, and that's where I think we are getting slightly deeper into these costing scheduling scenarios. And these guys would be really good there. The reason for that is because Bashmaster has far bigger accounts. And once you grow at a certain size, then you need uh, costing figured out. You need accounting figured out. If you're dealing with 5, 10, 15, $20 million, at that time, you are not going to have a controller CFO. Uh, you know, most companies don't care for that. It's going to be external accounting. So you are not there. But once you have your CFO, and that's going to be 30, 40, uh, you know, million dollar point, that's when they are going to be slightly tighter. Okay, where is my costing? Where is my scheduling? You know, uh, they are going to tighten a lot of different things. And that's where these guys are. Uh, these guys really played in in that space. Yeah, um, true. yeah. So here, tiered labor cost is very interesting. I don't think we have seen that in the case of Aptine, and that would be my understanding as well. Even Aptine is not going to be as uh, from the finance perspective, from the accounting perspective, they would be better, you know, operationally. Uh, they sort of try to pretend a lot of things from the operations perspective, but not as deep uh, in the accounting, finance, and Batchmaster did really well. Uh, overall from the accounting and supply chain perspective. That's why we are seeing a lot more things here, such as your tiered labor. And I don't know whether there is just a rate for different skill set that could be possible. Uh, I don't know what that is, but that is very new for me. Yeah, variable labor cost within specifications. Uh, that, I'm wondering what that is all about. Uh, so I don't know. If... Maybe this is the, yeah. Oh, well, it's to do with costing. So maybe it's to do with the formulation. Yeah, um, not too sure how that works. To, um, yeah, but I mean, again, this is very interesting. I mean, there's something I have not seen with any other product. So what this tells us is, you know, their costing is probably going to be really deep and layered. Uh, and you it probably implies, would be, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, identify cost of consumables. Very, 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 even in discrete uh, verticals, you are probably going to find that. Uh, what that means is sometimes you are going to have your tools and fixtures that are going to be consumed as part of the process. So you have to consume the cost. Okay, that goes from the costing perspective. Some people will simply ignore that. <laughs> uh, but then you don't really have your profitability down if you are going to uh, all of these. Okay. Um, so again, I think this product was very deep in general from the costing. Um, run what if cost analysis. Um, and that's a very interesting business process as well. 
um, I don't know how many companies really use, uh, especially when you are talking about the real what if, what if analysis. I don't know if you have to do that as part of your ERP. For the most part, in the food and beverage and the process space, you are going to find an SNOP tool because you have to plan for the inventory. You have to accommodate seasonality. There are so many different layers in the food space. to be. So you will require a dedicated SNOP tool for the most part, and that allows you to play a lot more. But again, if you're trying to do everything in ERP, uh, you know, it's going to be slightly more expensive because it's going to take longer um, to do this inside ERP. But obviously, your integrations and the implementation is going to be cheaper. So that decision you have to make, you know, <laughs> uh, whether you want to uh, keep paying forever for the extra effort or do you want to pay a little bit more um, in the implementation, I guess, in the beginning. Um, what else do we have here? Um, cost target values. dynamic. Um, this is really interesting. The last one, the optimized resource utilization upon MRP and MPS planning. So it does it automatically, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, but that would be, that would be, nah, nah. So, Andy, let's say if we are talking about in the discrete manufacturing space, then we look at, let's say, if I say I have finite scheduling, uh, you know, as my capability, would that imply that my resources are going to be optimized? Probably, right? Not necessarily. I mean, it depends if, you, first off, you have to be utilizing finite scheduling. Right. Lots of systems have it. Very few companies use it. Yeah. Would it optimize automatically if you were using it properly? I suppose. Suppose, yeah. It would rely on you to feed the right input so that... Probably. Right? Yeah. Okay. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So here they are talking about maybe they are able to optimize a little bit. Maybe they are presentation in terms of... Under, so maybe they have a little bit of 1980s AI. <laughs> <laughs> State-of-the-art 1980s AI. I know, right? <laughs> um, okay, okay. Uh, when we were talking about 1980, I thought uh, that, that would be a time for hair joke, um, Andy, but, you know, we didn't get that today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we have some more things. Dynamic batch sizing. This is very interesting. I don't think we have seen this in any of the systems, okay, so far. And there are a lot of different layers through which you can design your dynamic batch size and this is very crucial in my mind for a food uh, or the process center company and this is based on weight volume uh, finished goods ordered percentage of the master formula premix quantity availability of one or all ingredients from available inventory uh, weight volume or any other units of measure that one defines so i think andy you might be getting a kick out of this because uh, obviously you talk about this a lot in the discrete space, when you look at really hardcore manufacturing solution, especially if you talk about discrete space, in four, you know, they are probably going to have a lot of these things. And you probably need when you are looking at very sophisticated planning, very sophisticated scheduling. But if you are five, $10 million shop, you are probably going to be scheduling on Excel. It's overkill. Yeah. <laughs> no, because you don't have, I mean, the problem is not as big. You don't want to track cost. You probably don't have your bombs and formulas figured out. You cannot right. afford a consultant so yeah now this is very interesting as well they have the linked batch jobs and by the way before that they have the fefo and this is going to be first expired first out okay and that is very unique to your food centric exactly. products exactly okay and you need to have that by the way okay? anything because with a shelf life exactly 
exactly exactly you don't have that and you are going to have issues number one with the accounting number two the way your lots are going to be utilized and by the way your lots are going to be super critical in this space as well because most of the products are going to be super regulated so if you don't have that built as part of your erp you are probably going to find a lot of challenge huh. the other thing i found super super interesting that we didn't see even in the case of aptin to be a super job feature packaging into multiple packaging units uh, auto calculation of sequencing by the way we are missing our friends uh, blue link erp i think they are very prevalent in this space as well and i uh, you know they i don't know if it, this is going to be really the language or um or are these real features so super job in general is very interesting it's almost sound like it's not really a template bomb because bomb is going to be sort of the metadata of your job so here we have a real super job <laughs> a job of a job okay so <laughs> um again very 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 interesting i don't know how the super job wor- works to be honest okay so be- the reason why, and this is why i had said in the beginning because when you are going to need that congruence in your packaging line as well as your uh, the filling line as well as your the product line that's why the super job feature is going to be so basically what they are talking about and by the way these jobs are not just okay in some certain patches you are going to find that they are simply making the correlation between the jobs some erp systems are going to support that but that's not necessarily a real parent job here they are talking about real parent job that's how sophisticated so it's packaging into multiple packaging units requires constant monitoring and manual individual batch job releases i think this is going to be very relevant in chemical as well as pharma pharma and chemical they have a lot of layers in general the way their testing work the way their uh, you know products are structured um super batch feature links all related intermediates and finished goods requirements together in a super batch job production then calculates and schedules the required number of and that's where the dynamic uh, you know scheduling is coming from they are looking at okay how many su- finished good do we need how many super jobs are going to be needing and based on that how many jobs are we going to be need so that's a very heavy calculation if you don't have that supported as part of your erp system you are going to be doing a lot of maths okay you are probably going to require 500 calculators on the chart floor if you see that that means your erp is probably not capable of doing that. so the super batch job they're talking about would that be to like the product in the vat the huge vat and then 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 you know it's siphoned off and put into small packaging from that that'd be that would be my guess andy something like what what was in my mind when i read through there was something like um i i go back to the example of like a, an ink manufacturer but you could equate it to food or or sure. pharmaceutical as well but you know in 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 that scenario they've got obviously the the kind of master batch that they've then created which is going to go into maybe totes uh 5 gallon pails 1 gallon cans right 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 1 pint you know sample packaging or something yeah. right so so potentially this super job is or uh super batch is you know a combination of all of that inbound demand uh and that is what it's taking to calculate you know hey we've got demand for x number of 1 pound cans x number of uh you know 5 pound uh cans and so on and so forth uh, that's the way i take it i mean it's, it sounds very interesting and sam to your point uh you know and and in andy i know you've seen this firsthand but you know i guarantee that this is being done in a a lot of external tools uh <laughs> currently 
external tool called Excel. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to call it out specifically in case somebody's trying to do it in Google Sheets, but you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or maybe a better tool called Whiteboard, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Uh, so you both are right, to be honest. And if my recollection is right, uh, you know, from the Blue Link conversation, to be honest, okay, B did very similar thing, but B could not be the real scheduling function. So they did a lot of things. I mean, if I don't know whether you guys remember this or not, they were talking about, hey, Phil is going to have the production process, then the box or the case is going to have the production process, and then finally, the container is probably going to have the production process as well. And each of them are going to have lot numbers as well as the serial number uh, because of the DSCSC compliance. But I don't think they touched as much on the scheduling piece, okay? The reason because they were targeting distributors. That's not designed for manufacturing. When you get into the manufacturing, the manufacturing is going to be complex. Now, that's why we are seeing that. So now I'm probably able to... Um, okay, so this is where we have some more details uh, in terms of optimized production scheduling. So here they are talking about uh, make to order their own gel encapsulations because these batch production jobs need to be effectively back scheduled or run in parallel with the liquid blends that will fill them. That's very interesting, guys. So you have two or three different things running in parallel. You have this whole chemical process and that could have very different velocity, uh, the way it moves, right? Then you have, the again, these things are very complex uh, because you are mixing two or three different production processes. They could have their own sort of uh, speeds. And if you don't have that balancing figured out, then you are going to have a lot of problems. And sometimes there could be storage requirements as well. There could be regulatory requirements in terms of what you can put in your inventory and what you can call WIP. That might not be possible. <laughs> so it gets very interesting, very complicated. Um, guys, 625 point. Do you want to cover the comments or do you want to cover some more? Is there another slide or is it going into reviews? Uh, not too sure. I think yeah, we have a lot. Uh, yeah. A couple, yeah, I think yeah. there's a couple more. Do you want to check reviews? We can move on to reviews directly if you want to touch on those. Yeah, it looks uh, like I, I, I would suggest we move on to reviews. It looks like there's uh, throughs to cover so we can get that in. Okay. All right. Uh, let's do that. By the way, I mean, see, I don't think we showed these. So this is the native experience that we were talking about. Um, so this is going to be with SAP Business One. You will not be able to feel the difference. Whether you are using SAP Business One or Batch Master, that's how good the code was, which is very commendable in general uh, from an add-on. Uh, uh, obviously, the functionality is very thick. The way they have built the safety, the safety features are very unique as well. I don't think that we saw in the case of Aptine. Um Okay, so reviews. Uh, reviews, four years ago, it calculates all the ingredients properly and very seldom made mistakes on batch quantity. Can you believe this? So guys were really happy uh, with the scheduling functionality, which is mind-blowing. Um, uh, yeah, so they liked it. Learning the software is difficult and not user-friendly. The layout of the modules are not as easy as I would like them to be. Understanding each module and its functions does take time. So the problem is not necessarily with the software. The problem here is with the user. Uh, you know, if you want the traceability, uh, if you want uh, to have this automated functionality for the scheduling, you need to invest in consulting. You need to invest in training. You need to learn why software is designed in this way. So make sure you are not complaining about the software. 
because it's trying to give you what you are looking for, but you need to put the right amount of work for that. Uh, one more review that we can cover here. Um, this is seven years ago. It's hard to say. I think it would be nice if there was the ability to interface with more than one financial database. Okay, so this is the single entity versus multi-entity comment. So they had to use two because they were in the US and Canada. Uh, SAP Business One in general is a very single entity product. It will require you to log in to different instances. It was not designed to host all of those entities. It wasn't designed for the in intra-company, inter-company scenarios. Um, so that's why they had to sort of plug into two different instances. So sorry, I mean, if you are a single entity company, that you then you are going to be okay with this. Otherwise, you are probably going to struggle. But again, the challenge with this is, uh, and I don't know how these guys used it because in this particular case, it does seem like that they were using these two software independently where Batchmaster could be used for both of the entities, but then they were logging in separately for the accounting. Uh, my understanding was that this was a native sort of add-on. So, you know, I don't know how that architecture is, but it does seem like that they had challenges with the multi-entity is what. Here, Batchmaster is easy to spell. So this is a complaint. Other than that, I cannot think of anything else where the CRP matches or exceeds other in the industry or something enjoyable. This is coming from 2018. This guy is director of quality, food safety, which is very interesting. Okay, this is a small business. So sizes are comparable. This is the right size. Uh, no mobile device support because of on-prem. You are buying an on-prem software. Do not expect mobile support. Uh, <laughs> okay. well, at least batch faster is easy to spell. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, the software is not intuitive nor user friendly. Again, ERP soft software required training. Uh, they are not supposed to be user friendly. So you need to change yourself uh, <laughs> if you want to get the value that these software are trying to offer. Well, it says in the, on the right there that. 50 or less employees. So, you know, this sounds like, like a fairly robust system for a company of that size. Yeah. And it's also the skill set issue. I think this particular person needs to go through the ERP training. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. But you know how Maybe. it is with the, 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 you know, some systems are more designed for larger companies because they have uh, tasks. Multiple people have to create an order. One person doesn't do it. Versus other systems are more targeted to smaller companies. So one person could create an order. So uh, from what I'm reading about this one, it's probably targeted at larger companies. You say so? Yeah, this is definitely going to cover those one-to-end -one yeah. scenarios as what you are yeah. talking about, where you can do the process decoupling. So the only limitation from the ERP perspective is going to be that multi-entity entity. But inside right. one entity, you can definitely decouple your, uh, based on the SAP Business One architecture. Any other comments, guys? So we have one comment from Anders. We can cover that. Or if you guys have any comments, we can take those first. Well, let's, let's, let's cover uh, Anders' question. Okay, so he's talking about what happens when product does expire. I am guessing a separate lot reconciliation tool that lets you destroy that stock but FIFO? how are those initial um that's very interesting okay so if the product it's, is already expired go ahead andy do you want to take probably a fifo cost attached to lot um hold on so first i, I don't think this uh is this comment is heading in the right direction right because if the lot is already expired, you will not be able to release that lot on the production job or you will not be able to sell. Okay. So typically from the lot costing perspective, this is the cost of a lot. Okay. So if you are not able to release, you have to sort of get rid of that cost of that lot, which is already expired, which you are not using. You are going to be using the next lot 
which is valid from the gate perspective and you are going to be using the cost of that so i'm not sure if this comment is right you don't sort of change your costing method in general most companies the way their costing method is going to be it's going to be at the company level there are very few companies that are going to have mixed costing method if they do fifo they do fifo company wide that's how it works if they are doing uh, fefo then it's going to be company wide they don't sort of you don't mix these uh, methods during your transactions uh, sometimes product category level you might have mix up but that's very rare in general um, yeah it's it's most likely just handled with an inventory adjustment would be my would be my guess and if there's a significant amount of that happening uh my experience not specific to uh to the process manufacturing but but in other in other worlds i would equate it similarly here um it does not often uh i would say it very rarely gets captured uh kind of back to the the standard costing uh point uh, that you kind of made earlier, Sam, in terms of uh, capturing uh, the cost of consumables, right? It's the same thing. There's companies that are very um, intentional and understand where all of those transactions and where that money is uh, is being uh, kind of left on the table and not captured. And there are companies that just kind of put it in a bucket and it shows up at the end of the, you know, whatever quarter half or year uh in 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 kind of a uh a larger pool so that's yeah, been I mean, my experience yeah in this particular case i don't think you are going to get variance for which you would require the reconciliation because it's really the lot cost and unless you are mixing the lot or i'm missing something here okay with this question but i don't think you are going to get variance in the, uh it's really that lot that specific lot that got expired that you cannot issue so yeah i mean so you're scrapping that lot yeah, right. exactly. That's exactly. what I said. You're, you're, it's going to be an inventory adjustment out, you know, how, right. how, however that ends up getting handled. You write that off, right? Obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, exactly. Uh, all right. Any other comments, guys? We are at 634 right now. Not at all. Uh, awesome, guys. So that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which Tuesday at 530 Eastern. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another vendor or solution. On that note, thanks, everyone, for tuning Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to thechrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about ND Pratico, head over to esoft.com. It's ESSOFT.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at WBS.rocks. We'll see you next time.